12th um, back, Jordan and I did the follow-up to Sunday's sermon on Yahweh Shalom, the God is my peace. And But I'd also promised that I was going to come back and talk about this topic of the angel of the Lord because he showed up with Gideon this last Sunday. We saw him with Hagar and Elijah. Mm-hmm. And every time I've said a little bit about it and I haven't gone into detail, I went a little bit more detail when I talked about Hagar, but it's something I feel like some people, I know some people have been wanting to hear and have questions. So I have invited Jack Jewett uh, into this conversation because we actually talked about that and you had some questions. And That's right. So. Yeah. Right after you gave that message, um, I think that next week when we met, I had so many questions I had to, to bring to you. So yeah. yeah, I'm glad we're doing this. Yeah, and it's something that I've grown in my understanding of over time. Even more recently, we'll get to that. I keep learning more about this. So it is a good topic, I think, to talk about. And we're doing it not just for knowledge's sake, but I really think this is applicable to our lives. Right, yeah. So so what are the big, Jack, what are the big questions? Well, let's just start off with, so you made a big claim, and I maybe we can get there after a couple of questions, but in your message, um, that, that first one you gave... Um, the Elijah one. Is it the Elijah one uh-huh. was first? Yep. And then I think you really hit it a lot more in the Hagar story. Yeah. Um, but if you just start out with, how do we know that the angel of the Lord is God? Yeah. Where are you getting that from? Yeah. How do we know it's God? That's the big question. Because, and, and why is that confusing, Jack? I mean, I have my thoughts, but why is it like, what? Um, I mean, to me, it's that word angel really throws people mm-hmm. off. Would you agree that that's the first stumbling block? Like, Yeah, no, that says, is the first one. It says an angel is what it says. Right. 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 Yeah. So let, let's start with the angel word, if you don't mind. Yeah, let's do that. And then then I want to talk more about, then how do we know this is God? Um, so with the angel word, I would say, and I mentioned this with Hagar, again, very briefly. In the Hebrew, it's not the word angel, it's the word messenger, which got sadly translated frequently in the King James, our early English Bibles as angel, and specifically the angel of the Lord. And it really deceives people because when you read that, and if you remember, I showed pictures of the Hagar. I didn't show the Gideon ones, but I've got paintings. And the individual talking to Gideon last week had huge wings and stuff. And like, that's not what appeared to him. That's not what appears to Hagar. It looks like a regular dude, right? At first, they don't even know. They just think somebody's shown up. So that, that, Angel word, it's it's not a good translation, sadly. It's it's the, it's just messenger, and it should be translated that way. I've talked with my Bible translator friend, and he said the problem is is certain words get in the King James and become so ensconced in our language. That's a big word, but so embedded in how we think of certain Bible terms that mm. other translators are afraid to change it because wow. it's so deeply ingrained as a word. Mm. So that's why Psalm 23 is rarely changed very much. The Lord's Prayer, there's not much changed in it because a lot of translations, like those words are so well-known. Right. And one of them yeah. is this angel of the Lord. They've kept that, even though translators know they probably should translate it, the messenger of the Lord. Hmm. Um, so that's one thing, but that still doesn't answer, then how do we know this is God? Maybe he's a messenger. Um, and you even had a question when we were talking today about the when angels appear to people like right what normally happens yeah so i mean many times in the bible an angel will appear like even in revelation you would think man john he walked with jesus um you know he's been following jesus for decades after jesus has already ascended 
and he's writing this revelation, you'd think he would know better than to get on his knees and worship an angel. And yeah. the angel rebukes him and says, yes. why would you do that? Yeah. You know, so why when in, in this encounter with the angel of the Lord, we don't always see that. Why, why are people falling on their knees when an angel comes? Do you have anything yeah. to Yeah, and how, so how do we know? I think even this morning you said, how do we know this is not another, um, you didn't say divine being, but you said uh, like a spiritual being. Of Elo, some like kind. an Elohim yeah. title. That kind of being. thing. And so as we talked this morning, I mean, you have a good answer to it. What, what would your answer to be? What, I mean, you just said it. When angels appear to people, they, they're terrified and what, and then frequently worship or bow down. And what do the angels always say? Right. Like, don't, don't worship me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Cause I'm not the Lord. But with the angel of the Lord, this guy, he ends up receiving worship or people claiming that he's God. Mm-hmm. And he never once says, no, don't say that. Right. I'm just a high level angel. I'm not the creator. I'm not the right. Lord. So right. he receives worship. He receives taking off sandals, bowing down, Moses, Joshua, sacrifices, offerings like Gideon gave, um, that kind of stuff. So... But still there's the question, okay, messenger of the Lord, but I mean, how do we know this is God still? So you've, you and I've talked through some of these texts. What do you mm-hmm. see, Jack? And, and some, can we, well, let's hit some of these encounters and then let's just talk about yeah, yeah. ways we see him identified as God. Mm-hmm. So he appears in Genesis to Hagar, not just once, but twice. Right. Which is crazy. Mm-hmm. To Abraham twice, to Jacob Moses in the bush. Um, I'm going to come back to this one in a minute. He appears to Balaam, who's going to prophesy against Israel. He appears to Joshua. He appears at the very beginning of the book of Judges, chapter 2. And I want to, in a second, we can tie that in with with this one. He appears to Gideon, to Manoah and his wife, who are the parents of Samson, right? To David, Elijah. Um, He appears to defeat the Assyrian army. He appears to Daniel's friends. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the burning mm-hmm. in the in the furnace when a a figure shows up who is it I don't remember Darius or Cyrus one of the dudes says that looks like uh, a son of God to me mm-hmm. you know that figure yeah so those are some of the places he shows up just as we've talked to the, these appearances where do you, where do you see these claims to divinity or a response that he is divinity Jack in these stories I'm curious. Yeah, the, the very first one sticks out to me, uh, right? Like when you're reading the Bible, a, a good principle is the first time you see something to come up, it's a really significant time and that's going to come back, come back again and again. And so with the Hagar encounter, she says, um, it's this experience and we get that name of God, El Roy, the God uh-huh. who sees. Yeah. And she says, surely God sees me, yeah. right? After she encounters the angel of the Lord. And so she she very clearly is indicating that she she believes she saw God. Yeah. I think the Jacob one, when he wrestles, again, he ends up using this language of, I saw him face to face. And the other thing that people point out with that, that I didn't even mention that day is when his hip gets touched, just a small touch and it throws his whole hip out of whack. Um, the, the thing he doesn't ask, he the thing anybody would ask for is, hey, could you fix my hip? And he doesn't ask for that. He says, will you bless me? And mm-hmm. all through Genesis, the one who gives the, who blesses ultimately is God. And so he realizes, he said, this, I've seen God face to face. And what he's wanting isn't a hip healing. 
He's wanting the blessing that God promises in Genesis, you know, gives in Genesis 1 and the thing that he's promising all along. I don't know what some other ones, like the when I think of the Joshua and he shows up um, as the, the Lord of the captain's army and ends up, he he calls Joshua, I mean, this the same, this is holy ground and he takes off sandals and all of that. Mm, it's the yep. exact same response yep. that it's using the same language of Moses meeting the angel of the Lord in the burning bush. And him saying, this is holy ground, take off your sandals, how he covered his face. To me, Elijah, again, when Elijah encounters him, he covers his face. That you just see these similar responses of people that uh, that this is actually the Lord that they've encountered in physical form. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Not yeah. just an angel, not just a high-level spiritual being, but this is actually God himself. Yeah. And I think I think that comes out you know, after like looking at those stories a little bit deeper, because those angel of the Lord stories so often in the Bible, they're just coming with, you know, this single verse or just like a really short yes. section uh-huh. they're coming. And so it's easy to miss them. Yeah. But I, I think just looking a little deeper, to me, it's pretty clear that it's an encounter with God. Yes. The real, I think the harder question is, man, how do you know it's Jesus? Oh, that's like, the big that's, one. Right. Because that I've made that claim. You did make that claim. This is the second person of the Trinity. This is Jesus, the pre-incarnate, right? Mm-hmm, right. Or a Christophany. So, you know, we've talked about that. Um, I know what I would say. This I do this all the time to Jordan. <laughs> what would you say? Why, why, why would we make that leap? Like, this is not the Father. This is actually Jesus pre-incarnate. What what would you how would you answer that, Jack? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can give a more full answer. I'll I'll give a stab at it. Um, the time, the only times that we see a physical form is like a physical manifestation where people can actually encounter God is, is through Jesus. Yeah. And so the father, um, this happens in Exodus 34 when Moses is on Mount Sinai, um, that Moses can't even, he has to, you know, turn his back and he has to be Mm -hmm. guarded from the glory of the father. Yeah. So this, what we would see is this can't be the father. It wouldn't be the first person in the Trinity. It must be yeah, second good. or third. And the spirit doesn't come as a physical form. Yeah, he does not. And so right. it must be yeah. Jesus. Yeah, good. That Exodus 33 and 34, when he's like, can I see you face? Can I see your face? And God says, no man can see me face to face and right. live. So that face to face language is always involved with God, right? And live, and so I'm going to hide you, and I'm going to put my hand over you, and that's an anthropomorphism. That's not, but yeah, that idea. That but here we see, so the Father can't be seen face to face because of His glory it would like burn you up. But here we see people having a face to face encounter, and it's in this different way, and which would give us this hint that it's Jesus. Um, I would say also that's really good. Scripture is pretty clear. I could show you in Deuteronomy and Exodus that God takes no form, has no form that Jesus says in John 4, 24, God is spirit. First Timothy 1, 17, that God is the invisible God. So God is purely a spiritual being that he has doesn't have physical form, doesn't take physical form. But the member of the Trinity who did take physical form was Jesus. Right. And yeah. coming for our redemption. Mm-hmm. And that then, therefore, that that's why people say that um, that's who is here that's showing up. And I we even talking earlier, I had even forgotten this. Um, that's why we're going to see in a minute, Abraham in two weeks, Abraham, yeah, the angel of the Lord shows up to Abraham. And Jesus mm-hmm. says in John 8, 
Abraham wanted to see my day. He saw it and he was glad. And that's his claim that I was the one who mm-hmm. showed up to him. And there's even another place where Jesus, um, and I, I think in John 8, claims that one of these angel of the Lord appearances was him, that he was the one that, that showed up. So mm-hmm. even he's making that claim. Right. It's not just, yeah. we're just not trying to, to logically kind of figure this out. Um, but that's really crazy. The idea, why is that important? What, that, that Jesus or God is like, that he's willing to show up even before his incarnation and in the gospels. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it earlier. I think God so deeply desires personal encounter, personal relationship with us. And, and so it's just his heart on display when he's coming as the angel of the Lord. He wants to be mm. with his people, just like Genesis yeah. 3, walking in the garden. God wants to be with his people. And so, and we've seen that he's so willing to do that, that he'd die for us. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Like, yeah, he, he shows up to Elijah and touches him and cooks him a meal. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that just physical contact that he right. so much wants to be present. And Jack, you and I love the whole story of the Bible. I mean, if you think in Genesis 3, it talks about that God would show up in the evening, in the cool of the evening, he would walk with them. And so most people believe that was Jesus, a Christophany, that he was physically engaged talking with Adam and Eve. And then in Revelation, at new creation, new Jerusalem comes down, the Father's and Jesus' throne is there, but it talks about God now dwells among us and that Jesus is there and we see him face to face. So this deep desire all along in the beginning and in the end that what he, this person, that he wants to even be there personally is really mm. a crazy idea. I mean, it's a great idea. Wow. Yeah. But, yeah. And so these appearances and him coming is not out of character with him, right? It's that desire to, I want to be so close and present with you that I'll even show up in a physical manifestation. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Amen. That's really crazy. I mean, I keep saying that, but it's this whole thing is very mind boggling to me and really cool. Jack, I, can we talk briefly about something that I have learned just recently? Yeah. I think yeah. maybe a year ago, and then I, I found a scripture the other day that that like blew my mind, that, that actually, when you think of people, God leads them out of Egypt for the Exodus. For 40 years, he leads them. And in my mind, the, there was a manifestation that led them through the desert. And I don't, I mean, what... I know what I thought it was, or it, it, scripture talks about it. And what's that manifestation usually here that's leading them in the wilderness? Yeah, either the the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire. Uh, yeah, the cloud, the the cloud by day, the fire by night, mm-hmm. which is connected with the Shekinah glory of the God and is very related to the Father. And um, I never knew or I never noticed that we're actually told in multiple places in Exodus, Numbers that it was the angel, the angel of the Lord was also there. So as a dude, and he was leading them through the desert. Um, even I just told you, I was reading Exodus 14, preparing for this week's sermon, the Red Sea, and they escape from Egypt and they're trapped and the army's coming. And it says in Exodus 14, 19, that the angel of the Lord moved from in front of them to behind them and then the pillar of cloud also moved. And so that's like father and son in their two manifestations. Like, mm. but Jesus, that there, there's a literally, he was there as a dude. I mean, as a person. And we should read this Exodus 23. 
Yeah, I have it to, here. You have it? Yep. Yeah, read, read that. So Exodus 23, 20 through 23, say, see, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. If you listen carefully to what he says uh, and will do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you to the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Yeah. And then didn't there's one in Exodus 14, right? Uh-huh. So the Exodus 14 is at the Red Sea uh-huh. when he moves behind them. So he was leading them even there. Right. And and, and can we look at that one? Because yeah. that one I, I think is another example of of how it's so easy to miss where the angel of the Lord is at work in the narrative. Yeah. So they're trapped and God says in Exodus 14, 18, I'm going to gain glory through Pharaoh and his army. Through his chariots and horsemen, horsemen, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. The angel, of, the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Um, yeah, so he had led them out of, literally the, 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 the angel of the Lord led them out of Egypt what you just read, he's going to lead them through their whole journey. And he uses a lot of language about himself, like listen to him, obey him. Mm-hmm. My name is in him. And it says, my name is in That's him. That's so big. And it just doesn't mean he's got, like I wear an Ed McCaffrey or a Peyton Manning jersey with my with his name on me, right? <laughs> right. That name in me would mean what? Uh, it would mean a Yahweh, the I am yeah. is in him. Yeah. Because name is your character. It's just who you mm-hmm. are. And when he, so he's, when he says name, he's saying who I am. That's... That's who he is. He's mm-hmm. the same. And then a passage that, you know, how, you read the Bible, how do you skip all this? But in Josh, in Josh, Judges 2, the angel of the Lord appears before he appears to Gideon. And this is after the conquest. And by the way, he shows up to in Joshua, right, as the angel, and he's going to help lead the conquest. So he shows up there. So he's led them through the wilderness. He helps with the conquest. And here's what Judges 2 says. The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim, and he said, I brought you up out of Egypt. So here is talking about what we've just been talking about. I brought you up out of Egypt. I led you into the land I swore to give your ancestors. So he was the one all along moving in front of them. Also the, the pillar and the, you know, the cloud. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. You shall not make a covenant with the people of this land, but you shall break down their altars. Yet you've disobeyed me. Why have you done this? I've also said, I will not drive them out before you. They will become traps for you and their gods will become snares. And when the angel of the Lord had spoken these things to all the Israelites, the people wept aloud and they called the place Bochim and there they offered sacrifices to the Lord. Wow. So he even shows up there and he's like, I've led you this whole time. Hmm. I brought you in here. I was part of the conquest, but you did not do what I asked you to do in the conquest. You left a lot of people here. You have altars and now it's going to be a trap to you and that's on you. And just this idea that he had been with him the whole time was totally new for me Mm. and was quite mind-blowing for me. So I don't know, when you picture that, what's that look like to you? Like, I just always thought a cloud was in front of him, but there was actually a a dude that was in front of him. We keep calling him a dude. Yeah, and I think before I've I've read that, you know, take off your shoes, this is holy ground, right? When the commander, Angel Lord is, is serving in a commander role at that point. Yeah. I've read that and haven't, 
haven't thought, understood that that's the same angel of the Lord that appeared to Hagar and Jacob and, and so many times before in the burning bush and, and haven't thought that that's Jesus. And so to me, it's always just been like, okay, that's an, this awesome fighter angel, you know, he's coming yeah. to do this, but it's, it's the same angel of the Lord, Jesus, who's coming to lead them. Yeah. And even this thing you just read, like when God, when the father's saying, hey, when he tells you to do something, you do it. So it's almost like he's like, okay, hey, we're going to stay tonight for three nights. And then, okay, get up. We're going, hey, turn right here. Like, I mean, I, it, I just, I don't know what that looked like, but I would love to, you know, when I die, there's some things I just want to see that happen in history with God. Hmm. This has moved almost to the top of my list is like, I want to see Jesus as the angel of the Lord leading your people out of Egypt, all the way into the land to take possession of land. Um, to me, that's that's just a very, that's something that I that's come into my realization very recently. And it's because we don't pay attention to the little details. Mm-hmm. Jack, I have read that Exodus story so many times and I never saw the angel of the Lord moving behind the army between them. Wow. I had never seen that. Yeah. And I've read that, I bet, hundreds of times. I just paid attention to the pillar of the cloud. That's all I paid attention to. So. So can we talk a little bit about reading the Bible? You and I talked about that this morning. Why, what does this tell me? What's this tell you about the importance of knowing the word of God? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'd say one, the Bible is a unified narrative. It's a story. And and so when we don't just read it as like, okay, I'm gonna take a chunk here, a chunk in this book, a chunk there. We read it as a story in a narrative. We see the picture that God is telling. We see what's going on. And the, the category that the Bible is in, it's, it's called Jewish meditative literature. And Psalm 1 even shows this. It's like this imitation of how you read the Torah. If you read Psalm 1, you know, blessed is the man who meditates on the law, right? And so when you're reading the Bible, if you're not reading it slowly and you know, recognizing these patterns that are coming up again and again, uh, the Torah is chiasmus. And so these stories are repeating each other. It's has a parallel structure. And so those parallel stories as they mirror each other are informing each other. They're adding complexity and nuance. And so just as, as a Bible reader and studying the word, the more we read through the story, the more we recognize patterns, mm-hmm. yes. the more we see the character of God, yep. the more the story makes sense to us. Yeah. And we pick up on the nuance yeah. and these like really cool, powerful things that I had no idea about with the angel of the Lord. Yeah. And you're right. They're, they're in little snippets. If we took all the verses of these encounters of some of this and put it together, it's probably not even 50 verses is my guess. Little snippets. But unless you're reading the Bible, like I'm going to go Genesis to Revelation. And I, though it's not all chronological, but I'm still going to follow this narrative and I'm going to read through it. You don't catch those things as well. But hmm. when you read through, which is something I really recommend is read through the Bible more than once. I did it three years in a row right. and started seeing a lot of things I'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you, as you do that, you're like, oh, I've seen this guy before, the angel of the Lord. Oh, look at, hmm. You know, early on you're pass, bypassing it and then you start noticing, wait, this seems like a divine encounter. And then you start seeing threads through them, like multiple times they're talking about seeing God face to face or offering, giving an offering or fire is frequently involved in mm, them. Right, right? yeah. Um, several times he's carrying the sword. We don't have to go into all the detail, but you start seeing these patterns and like, whoa, this is like God personally showing up in the Old Testament at times in very unique times in history, but it just makes him so much more personal, I feel like, like that he isn't just a booming voice from heaven giving commands, but 
he actually, Jesus shows up incarnate and is with people in a very unique way. And so, yeah, I think the challenge, that challenges me, and I agree with that. You said that this morning, like read your Bible, be in it, and pay attention to details. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just... Ponder it. Yeah, ponder it. Think about those things, meditate on it. Why do you feel like this matters? Because again, I said at the beginning, we're not just doing this for knowledge's sake. Um, and we've kind of hit some of this, but if we were to wrap it up, why, why does this matter? This angel of the Lord and the understanding that he's divine and understand even more, this is not, this is not just the Father. This is Jesus hmm. pre-incarnate. So why does this matter? We've hit a few. Maybe we've hit yeah. all of them. But if we were to kind of wrap it up, what, yeah. why does it matter to you? Yeah, Henry Blackaby wrote this super famous book uh, called Experiencing God. And his opening chapters are just about these names of God and these experiences when people set up these altars for their experiences of God. Mm. Throughout the Bible and human history, we're seeing progressive revelation. God's uh, um, some a little bit at a time showing more of who he is, more of his character. Um, and so why does this matter? Don't you want to know God? Yeah. Don't you want to know who he is and experience him as Yahweh Shalom? Experience him in as as Jehovah Yireh, right? Yeah. Experience him as he's the God who sees me in all of my pain, right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think these occur at times, a lot of times of great need, and they just show the heart, his heart. We've already said, and he's willing to show up personally in a body to touch, to look you in the eye, to talk, you're hearing a voice. I just think that's so profound. Um, I also am really struck. We didn't really hit much of this, but there are hints in the Old Testament that God exists in a community of three, we would call the Trinity. You know, the Jewish people thought he was just a one singular invisible God who could not take a physical form. And yet we see this divine being showing up in a physical form. And, you know, we've talked a little bit, but there were a lot of rabbis who were like, there appear to be like two Yahweh kind of guys. Mm. Like there's the Yahweh that's invisible and there's this other one. Right. And a lot of them didn't know what to do with it, but he was actually setting them up for when Jesus shows up incarnate, that if the Jews, if they'd been paying attention, they would have been like, that's that guy. Like God's done this before. I shouldn't be surprised because in my mind, he can't take a physical form, but that dude was divine. Like, could this be him? Could this be not just the angel of the Lord, but is this the Lord himself? Mm -hmm. So to me, it's it's God giving us, you talked about progressive revelation, like hints of the Trinity yeah, are, are right. buried in there. So, and even you and I just read the story of Manoah and his wife, how she shows up to them. And then as soon as he leaves, and then it says, and Samson's born, and it says the Holy Spirit came upon him. So in that chapter, even you see the whole Trinity, which is just really cool. Um, yeah. Can I throw out a surprise question? Yeah, throw out a surprise okay. question. Uh-oh. Okay, because is... there's, so in Judges, there's there's several encounters with the angel of the Lord. Uh -huh. that's, that's what tripped me up for a second. I was thinking about Manoah, and there's Gideon, right, with Yahweh Shalom, and he sure. comes right away. But why is it heavy on the front end of the Bible? It, or maybe it's not, but... Does it seem that way with angel of the Lord? I know it comes up in Isaiah uh -huh. a couple of times, but you know, we're it's, not seeing that in the minor yeah, prophets. It right? is front load. Yes. Genesis to Judges is the majority of it. There are a few other revelations of his name later on in the prophets, but most of it is front loaded to that point. And I, that's a really good question. Uh, yeah, you hadn't asked that. So I, for a minute I'm thinking, so I'm going to do what I normally do when I don't know an answer or I'm processing. <laughs> 
Why do you think? Why is it so front-loaded? I do have some thoughts, but what do you think? Okay, I'll throw out one, yeah. one idea. As Israel is rejecting God more and more throughout First and Second Kings, um, they're less available for God's influence in their life and uh, obedience to him, right? Um, our sin, Isaiah says, our sin separates us from God. Uh-huh. And so if we're, not, if we're not available to him, obeying him, we're not going to see him move. Um, and so they're all of Israel, they're, they're giving this to God. We don't want you here. We want to reject you. And, and so that would make sense for me why the angel Lord wouldn't be showing up to, to people who don't want him. Yeah. He doesn't force yeah. himself on right. people, right? Yep. Yeah, in fact, that's a really good point. In the book of Ezekiel, the angel of the Lord appears in a vision to him, and the vision is all about God's glory leaving the temple because the people have rejected him, and he's like, I'm leaving the temple. My presence is not going to be there in that way, unique way anymore. So I think that's good. I also think early on in the history of Israel, because it's so front-loaded with, with the stories with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, with his people at the Exodus, with the conquest, with that early history in Judges, um, is he's wanting to reveal himself to them and for them to know really who he is. He's forming a people. All they know are all these pagan gods all around them. And so he, very early on, it's front-loaded, I think, because he's revealing very much. He wants them to know mm. who he is. And he cares so much about it that he's going to show up occasionally in a physical form and he gets and he reveals a, an aspect of his character through a name. So that's my other thought. But that's a really great question. I had not even thought about that. So, yeah, good job. Yeah, had to throw that one in. Yeah. But, boy, there's so much more I think we could do with this. He and I have talked about a lot of stuff and we've just been kind of winging it with this. But I appreciate the conversation, nice. Jack. Any final thoughts you want to say? Uh to 12th about any of this i don't you like closing yeah. exhortation yeah i don't know um yeah i was wondering like why why have i not really heard about this before like i read it before my first time through the word saw this noticed it especially in the story of jacob that one stood out to me it just it wasn't maybe I, not talked yeah. about very much it's not very upfront in yeah. evangelical church yeah. And, and I, good question. And I think the reason for that is something that my children used to say to me for a long time is like, dad, how come we rarely hear Bible teaching on the Old Testament? And I love the Old Testament because it is foundational for the new. And that's a little bit of the reason I'm doing this. Um, it's why I want to do Nehemiah in the fall is I think this is all foundational, but people, you want to talk about Jesus and you want to look at the epistles because we love the epistles, right? Mm. And Revelation's fascinating and the history of Acts is fascinating. And we don't know the Old Testament well. And so we, I think we underteach it, but what we're doing is we're missing, we're missing um, Lord of the Rings, the first movie, and we're just talking all the time about movies two and three. Mm. And there's so much in movie one that really is important to two and three, but we we just don't know it. That's my guess. Right. Is we're just we don't teach the Old Testament well. Um, but that's a really good question. That's kind of my, and it is. It's a little obscure, but um, these are some of my favorite stories in the Old Testament, and that the angel of the Lord is showing up in them is just a side cool benefit for me. Mm. So Yeah, I've been so blessed by learning about this, learning more about the names of God. It's been such a cool series, I think. Yeah. So my last challenge is actually a setup for Sunday. The name of God for this Sunday fits very much with this idea that God wants to be present. He not only is present with us, but he wants to be present with us even physically in the form of the angel of the Lord and in Jesus and in all of eternity. And so... uh 
yeah, this to me, this angel of the Lord is an outworking of the name of God. We're going to do Sunday. I'm not going to give it away, but it is very connected to his desire to be present with his people. So, all right, Jack, thanks for doing this with me. Yeah, thank you. And um, appreciate I know it. it's like our first time to do this together, but I appreciate you doing that. I hope it was helpful for all of you who are listening at 12th. Um, Adam, I hope this got you well to Topeka. Uh, kept you interested that you didn't tune out. So, <laughs> all right, 12th, that's uh, all we have to say. Hope to see you Sunday. Okay.